everyone, it's episode 362 of This Is Whole Life. And welcome back, Melanie. Welcome back, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. It's been like a month since all four of us sat here together. There's yeah, it been feels like it. sickness. There's been near death. No, it's probably a little over exaggeration. <laughs> a baby. A baby. A baby. Yes. Oh, gra- grandma, right? Yes. 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 I First? have a, a new granddaughter. No, it's a second. I have, we have a two-year-old grandson and a five-week, five-week-old granddaughter now. And her name? Her name is Elora. 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 Oh, that's a pretty name. That yeah. is kind of pretty. So, congratulations. Thank you. How yeah. much time did you spend with the baby? It you is just fun. like ignored everybody else. Um, it, not longer than several hours <laughs> a day. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jeff was gone last week too. Last week. Yeah. And where were you? I was up seeing my grandchildren. Oh man, look at this, Ken. What are we? We're not in the club. Yeah, and I'm good with that for the time being. I, I will. I, there will come a time where I'll be happy to have grandchildren, but at this point, I'm very happy for both my children to not make me a grandparent. <laughs> yeah, they're probably happy right now too. Yeah, they're going like I think so. teenagers. Hmm, we're glad we're past that stage. Grandparents, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. All right. Well, this week we started a new series called Great Question, which is something we do every year. And Ken only gets to find out the week before what he has to uh, preach on. And I, <laughs> I felt a little bit bad. I was sitting you on the not. I, I was sitting on the front row during second service uh, a week ago when it was announced, and I was like, "Wow." In the Bible, Jesus says, your faith has healed you. What does this mean? And if I'm not healed, does that mean that I don't have enough faith? Why don't we see miracles like in the Bible? And I was like, well, the first part was pretty rough in itself. And then you had the miracles on top of it. And it almost feels like there's nowhere to go, but I'm not sure where to go. And so... But it was a great question. It was a definitely a very sincere question. And during the week, I received emails from a variety of people who kind of shared that they had that same question. They're, you know, had one person tell me that they really that that there's a number of folks in our church who have disabilities, and they hope that I didn't mess this up. So <laughs> I felt no pressure at all. Um, but None. I was like, well, I, I I was already hoping I wouldn't mess it up. But um, but that person very graciously found me after the service and said, "Hey, thank you. That that was helpful." So. It's a great question, and it's a super fair question, and it's a question that a lot of people really wrestle with. And and it's not just like, you know, the people on the fringes of Christianity that wrestle with this question. It is, I think you almost wrestle with it more sometimes when you're, when you are very committed. For me as a pastor, it's a, it's a question that I probably wrestled with more after becoming a pastor than before being a pastor. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the one that puts us kind of all on equal footing, where a lot of times people on the outside look in and go, this is probably really easy, or or new people, oh man, I found Jesus, this is really, this is going to be great. I mean, Jesus loves me, and there's salvation, and I've got all these people here to support me. This This is awesome. And then when you start to figure out that there's more to it, and I just feel like this one kind of is something that everyone gets, a, everyone can understand and kind of share in. And I wanted to ask you, Ken, at the end, after preparing, getting your whole week, entire week, to go and process and study and prepare, 
were you okay with what the conclusions you came to as far as, or is there anything that you left out that you felt could have been useful that maybe you didn't have time for? Because I know this was a packed topic and, you know, whether we have time to go down too many rabbit holes or not, because we do have a lot of questions, but was there anything that you left on the floor that just kind of, well, that, that might help or it just was, it was too far away from? Oh, um, I don't know if it would help, but there was a lot that was left on the floor for sure. One of the things I've been thinking about, and Melanie sent me an email detail after, for those of you who may be a little bit curious, and for those of you who are not, too bad. Um, one of the uh, one of the things I do is after I after I kind of outline and write my sermon, I send it to Melanie to take a look at, and then she gives me some feedback because she's got a, um, some really great theological training that that's been pretty helpful and. So she'll sometimes email me back some notes and say, hey, well, have you thought about this? Or what about this? And what about that? Um, and and so one of the things she wrote back that I'd been thinking about was a little bit about, um, you know, we, we look at the Bible and we read about these miracles, but really miracles are almost an outlier in the Bible more than they are. I think we tend to look at the Bible as like this kind of like magic book where all these magic tricks are happening or, or something. And, and please... Don't take that the wrong way, but you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like this this book where, oh, look, everybody's getting healed, and there's all these... But if you really read through it, it is... it, it the, the healings are not as frequent as you would think. The miracles aren't as frequent as you would think, especially if you put it in the context of how much you're not reading. Melanie, I think you made the point that the, the first miracle that's really recorded in the Bible is uh, during the Exodus, um, that mm-hmm. there really aren't... I'm trying. I'm trying to think if there's, or I, th- I shouldn't say miracle healings. Mm-hmm. I think healing is what what you said, and that was Miriam being healed after God right. gave her leprosy. And Aaron. Yeah, yeah, after God gave the two of them leprosy. Oh yeah. So there are other miracles before that, with you know the plagues and whatnot, and the Tower of Babel coming down, I suppose, and um, the flood and Noah and all that good stuff. But when it comes to healings. Miriam and Aaron are the first ones, and then it really um, you get you've got some with uh, Elisha. I'm trying to remember if Elijah healed anybody. Did did Elijah heal anybody? Um, yeah, I think so. Wasn't it the widow's son? Yeah, yeah. or that was, no, that was Elisha, though, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, I think I thought it was Elijah, I but was I, Elijah. I could be wrong. The for the. If Emily says it was Elijah, we're going with Elijah. <laughs> well, Elijah. Oh, well, oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> this is why Google is your friend. Are you talking about the, uh, the Shunammite woman? Shunammite woman, yeah. That no, was Elisha. No, the, the one where he uh, goes and the, the, the oil. Oh, the continue. woman with the oil. Was her son healed? Or I, I'm getting, I maybe I'm getting that mixed was, up with the Shunammite woman. Yeah, that was the, the oil was provided for and the flower continued right. on. That was, yeah. He did save him from death. So. Oh, there, so there we you go. go. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> there you go. Um, we'll go with it. And then he, took a, then he took out a whole bunch of uh, prophets of Baal. So right, there you go. Right. Um, right. That's why we have Jeff here. Jeff but, is always looking for the other angle. <laughs> which, by the way, that taking out all those prophets of Baal might fit well with this week's <laughs> yes. sermon. So we'll, we'll, we can get around to that later. But the point is... When you look through the Bible, the the healings, the miracles, they they really probably tend to be a little bit more of an outlier. And the the argument that I did not make in my sermon because I didn't think I had the time to really unpack it far enough, and I don't, and I'm almost afraid to bring it up here is, I think one could make the argument that more miracles happen today than happened in biblical times. Um, If you believe, as I do, that God gives wisdom 
to um, medical professionals. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the incredible things that are happening in medicine today, I mean, you know, I just think about my my dad. I think 20 years ago, my dad would not have survived the sepsis that he went through. I don't think the medicine was advanced enough at that, even maybe even 10 years ago. But because of where medicine is, my dad is is back to 100%. He's back. Yeah, to me, my dad's doing a lot better than he was even before this happened. And so... Mm-hmm. I know that that may feel a little unsatisfactory in some ways, but I believe, um, I believe all of that comes is a blessing from God and comes from God. And so, in some ways, for me, there's there's miracles that happen more now than 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 maybe it feels like they even happened in the Bible for me. And I know we can debate it, but that was one point that, like I said, I didn't really fully unpack in the sermon because I just didn't feel like it was going to flow with with what I had and it didn't. And if you're the person whose medical condition, medical science hasn't come up with an answer for, you might ask why God has not inspired them to to understand how to to resolve, you know some of the some of the really excruciating things like ALS um, and some of the other just, horrific kinds of diseases. And I think those are all things that we have to wrestle through with. I think that it's a very difficult thing if you've ever lost somebody that you loved to a disease that 10 years later, there's medication that can help. You think about all the the folks in the 80s who are passing away from HIV and AIDS uh, today. Yeah. You know they've got they've got a lot of treatment options out there that are that are it appears to be reversing it, and so I think that as we go through it, for me the conclusion that I really, for me, is that I'm not God and I just don't know that I just don't know, and I I have come to a place where I. At this moment in this time, and I, and I say that very carefully, I say that very importantly because I don't know, there are a lot of horrific things that could happen uh, in the next three minutes that could really have me questioning God and being and, and really being like, I don't know, I thought I was at peace with you, God, I thought I kind of had everything figured out, but then this happens and I'm like, I don't understand. And that's what happens with Job. I mean, Job's Job's got it figured out. He's got his theology down, and then the house literally burns down around him. And he's left saying, "God, why? Why would you let this happen? What have I? Done? What haven't I done? What? I mean, how can you just be silent? How can you? How can you let my kids die? That's the one. As a parent, you have to think. I mean, take away everything else, but." my kids. And so you see this and you see Job just really struggling with it and just really questioning God on it. And at the end, like I said in the sermon, God doesn't give a particularly satisfying answer. In fact, it's not satisfying at all. He doesn't give an answer. He just basically says, I'm God. And that's why. And for Job, that was enough. Job said, okay, not happy about it, but okay, you're God. There was a bunch of people that agreed in, in – I, I hadn't thought about it and put it – I'm sure I've read it before. But in with Job, when God tells his friends, I'm angry with you for you have not spoken accurately about mm. me as my servant Job has. And you're like, well, that's – he might not have given an answer. 
But that's a pretty cool. Isn't that cool? I, that God's kind of backing up like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, you don't get to question me because I'm God and I don't have to tell you anything. But on the same hand, you guys, <laughs> you're part of the problem. It, to me, that was the fascinating part of it. The people who are trying to convince Job that he had done something wrong, the people that are trying to convince him there must be some sin, search your soul, do that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, go through and read them, and, and their answers read a lot like a lot of Christian answers that I mm-hmm. hear today. Um, you can't. Who are you to question God? Who are you to tell God what he can and can't do? Don't you dare do that. And that's that's that might be your sin right there, is that you think that you can tell God what he should and shouldn't be doing. And, and Job's like, well, who am I not to say? I know what right and wrong is, and this is not right. And at the end, God says, hey, it isn't Job that's spoken wrongly about me. It's you guys over there. And that makes me love God even more, that God's like, of course you're hurting. Of course you're upset at me. And that's not wrong. What what we see repeated through that story of Job is that Job did not sin against God by, and it says it repeatedly, he, he never gives up. He never curses God and dies, but he does question, and he is upset. And I think that there's a lot of things that happen in life um, that it's very easy to judge other people for being upset about. Um, but if we were put in that situation, we might not handle it as well as they're handling it. Well, and to, you know, at the end of the book of Job, it says that God gave him seven new sons and three yeah. new daughters. And this, <laughs> and I've actually heard people say, you know, oh, you know, he was he was restored. He was <laughs> he got seven yeah. new sons and three new daughters. And I think that is not the way that that works. Like Job, Job was scarred from then on. That wasn't like, you know, everything was healed after that, but there was, um, in the story, a trust development that happened. I, Go ahead, I do think, I'm glad you brought that story up though. At the end, I think that, I think it fits really well with how we understand what is really at stake. And I do feel like what Job didn't, didn't get taken away was his ability to still have the presence of God. Literally, he was never taken away from the communion that he had with God. And I think I, I'm, the the story of Job is so, you know, getting back, you're right, as a parent, that, that doesn't compensate for anything. No, absolutely not. But on the other side of it, when all is taken away, it's still much like what you know. We we you know you talk. I think uh, I was trying to think who brought up. Uh, oh, it was um, it was uh, Doctor Black uh, Barry Black that mentioned. Yeah. Um, Victor Frankel. Yeah. And the point is, is you can take away all those things. You can take away everything that is value to you, valuable to you. But in the end, the real miracle is that God stays. That God doesn't take away that communion. And I do think that that's maybe not as satisfying as, oh my goodness, you're saying that you're not leaving me, but you're taking away everything that I value. Yeah. But I think free will is this is also in that story that, you know, Job goes through this and he's allowed to have his own thoughts, his own mind and go, man, I'm, I'm, I am confident of this. And by the way, I'm angry with you because I sure. feel like I'm right. And so I think it's a good 
a good way for us to remember that there's there's free will in action. He can he's free to question, he's free to to show emotion and even question God and yell at God and God still comes back and you know and tells the other people who would we may think would have been the wrong and just going you've not spoken accurately as he has. Mm-hmm. And I I just think that's that's pretty beautiful. That's his yeah. And and most, some people would say you know like his wife, Job's wife would have said. Yeah. He's not worth sticking around with. Just get it over. Yeah, and, just literally let let him go because apparently he's not he doesn't have your back, so right. to speak. And I think that is a that's one of the biggest questions is how will we respond when all is you know everything we believe is gone. I want us to start jumping into the questions because we have a a lot of questions Good. and they're lengthy. But I also, you know, when when Ken was talking about and this sermon came up, I immediately thought about your sermon. Uh, a couple months ago, and when you, when you lost your son, and when Ken started talking about it, well, it's not just the physical, because obviously nothing could be done physically, but emotionally, and what you guys just talked about, like that didn't that didn't swipe out. Like, well, that's not even Stephen. We'll we'll take these and we'll replace. Right. And I thought about from that perspective, was that sibling rivalry? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Go back and uh, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put a link directly to that one because I felt like when we started talking about that, I felt like the discussion that we had around your message and the podcast afterwards, for anyone that may have found looking for that healing in that place where it's less physical but more emotional and the fallout afterwards, that that was just that message and that podcast really was something everyone should get a chance to hear and think through and process. Cause I really felt like that was a, a, a connecting point. So right before we came into the studio today, I got a text from our good friend, Nathaniel. And he said, pastor Ken was talking about the physical, spiritual and emotional healing and how sometimes God doesn't make sense. Is this God's way to help me critically think about my faith and trust with him? I think that's my struggle with my relationship with God because I've been taught that I must have a certain relationship with God and to challenge him is a no-no. So do we think that that is, uh, is that just God's way to help us go, you got to trust me no matter what and do a little critical thinking and kind of force us into it? Or is this just a byproduct of sin that we're all stuck with and it's random? I would say yes, yes, maybe who knows? I think that, you know, what I've come to in my own life is we all have a, you know, one of the quotes that I included in my sermon was from an author whose name is escaping me at the moment, who basically talks about disability and how to preach to disability. And Melanie was kind enough to loan me the book. It's Kathy Black. Kathy Black, thanks. And Kathy basically talks about how as human beings, we all have this deep need to make sense of our suffering and 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 the hurt and the pain. We we don't want to think that it happened for nothing, that there, there's got to be a reason behind it. There's got to, and so just instinctively, each one of us wants to try to find meaning in what we're going through. Well, you know, God's trying to teach me a lesson. Satan's out to get me because I'm doing good work. Um, whatever, we're looking for something and and we're trying to find it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's natural. I think it's probably God-given that we're trying to find that meaning. I also think that sometimes it can be a little detrimental to us when we overdo it and we try to force conclusions. And I know it's not helpful when we're sharing with another person why God did something 
and we say, well, God let that happen because I think it's one thing to engage in a conversation with somebody who's questioning, well, do you think that God did that? I think it's another thing to go, well, you know, God just, and this is one of my all time that you just, you hear is like, well, God knew that your child needed to pass away because maybe later on in life they were going to do something really bad. And so God let them die before they could do it, you know, and, and that's a, that's a, that's pretty rough. Um, you, you know, and you start to question why God didn't, you know, do some things to a couple of the heinous people on history if if that's really what's going on. If we're precluding, yeah. And, and which, again, is not – and who's to say what God's ways are on these things? I don't know. But what I do know is that as, as I go through these difficult times, what I try to do is I try to use it as an opportunity for soul-searching. Is there something I need to learn from this? Is there something um, – and then if I can't figure it out, that's when I have to come to the kind of the, the well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know what, I do believe that God allows things to happen sometimes. I think God, the Bible seems to show that he very much puts some bad things in some people's lives on purpose, whether by allowing it or by doing it. For me, I'm not one to say, oh no, God never, never does anything bad to people. He never allows bad things to happen because that, that's, I don't know. If you read the Bible the way I do, you just, you can't, for me, I can't come to that conclusion. At the same time, I don't believe that every bad thing that happens in my life is because God was like, oh, let's teach Ken a lesson about this, or let's teach, I think that there's just, we live in an evil world where bad things happen, and and sometimes it's just a bad thing happened, and I was in the wrong place, and it, it not due, sometimes due to no fault of my own. I don't know, Melanie. You want to jump in on that? Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, you're you're mentioning the search for meaning. We're we're storied creatures, you know. We we think in terms of narrative. If I said to you, I went to the store, you're gonna look at me and say, and then, <laughs> because there needs to be a plot, there needs to be something going on, there needs to be some conflict, there needs to be some action, and I think when when we think about our own lives and we're self reflexive. We're trying to find those plot lines. And I think a lot of times we would like to be at the end of the book because we would like to <laughs> read the conclusion. You know, we would like all of the all That's of the loose ends to resolve. The last paragraph of every chapter. Yeah. But yeah. but sometimes we're in chapter five, you know? And we have to just zoom out. I'm not a, a little fan bit. of chapter five. <laughs> <really. laughs> I just never liked it. Sorry. <laughs> you can skip that one. Skip. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I guess what I'm saying is that process and, and Nathaniel, you you mentioned about you know this this opportunity for critical thinking. I think that that's why God gave us brains to begin with. I mean, He says, "Come now, let us reason together." If God didn't want us to reason, you know, with God, then we wouldn't have that ability to do it, and we wouldn't be invited into it. So I, I think that there's no problem with us pushing and pulling and and prodding and and trying to sort through these things. And there's there's no problem with trying to figure out which plot lines are gonna are gonna carry through. And maybe we're all so different in that critical thinking is gonna take us to different places, mm -hmm. even if the situation is the same, just because of who we are, our past, our history, our biases, all those things are gonna change how we view and how we attack this. So maybe the critical thinking, let's come together and reason. I mean, if we knew everything, what would be the point, right? So if there's not some a little degree of uncertainty there would be no 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 purpose for that and there's i mean 
even that that process, you can still go down dead ends and get to the dead end street with your critical thinking and think, whoa, I ended up here. This is a dead end. Turn around and go to the next place. So, yeah. I mean, some sometimes it's linear. I, I would say more often it's probably like a a, a um, pinball machine where you're where you're trying to process and you're bouncing <laughs> around while you sort things out. But yeah. so it's it's not like it's not a messy process. Mm. Yeah. But it's a worthwhile process. Maybe that, what you just said, it's a messy process. And I think that's the part that gets us most frustrated and most angry because I, often I think we're fine with trying to figure out what the issue is. We realize it. We don't like it. We're trying to mitigate it. We're trying to, is there something we can do to make it better? Is there something that someone else can do to help me make it better? just looking for a few answers, but it's when there is that every time it's a, another dead end or it's a complete opposite of what we were looking for on the other side, and you get weary, you get tired. And I think that's the part that everyone tries to avoid is the just the dead ends or the pain when not knowing. And I think there's also, we feel obligated to defend God, mm. you know, which, which is, I think, another reason why we seek meaning, because we need to ascribe some kind of motive to God for allowing this or allowing that so that God can stay the God that, that we expect or that we're comfortable with. Um, but, but when you release yourself from having to defend God and realize that God can defend God's self when God chooses, then, then it's more of a process and less of a need to come up with the conclusion, hmm. come up with the answer. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's not just defending God. A lot of times I think it's defending our choice of following God. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, um, good point. It's, it, it, and that's the part that I think all of us become somewhat partisan in because all of a sudden we have to defend our team and mm -hmm. who we believe is the captain of our team, so to speak. You know, when you have a, a quarterback that breaks the rules, you're, you're a little reluctant to say to the refs, he broke the rules. And so you get behind him, even if there's some things that you think, oh, that that wasn't really good, especially to me, but we do tend to want to do that. Because we not only want to find meaning in what's happening to us, but it's also finding meaning in the decisions and the choices that I make. And I, I do think that God does look beyond that. I think God does say, hey, you're going to follow me, not because it's the, always going to be the right thing for you. Because I think that, you know, we talk about, you said we're storied creatures, which I love. We are. But the story doesn't always end with us either. In other words, it's not a complete story right. in us. Yeah, We're a part of a, of a maybe a bigger picture or maybe a bigger story or whatever. So, and the Jews understood that, by the way. The Jews understood when they were writing that the lineage was so important to them that their story had meaning, which is the reason why I, they wanted to trace it back and literally trace it forward. So, I do feel like sometimes the idea that we have about God is that we are the center. And I do feel like that's the piece that he's trying to say to Job as yeah. well, is, look, you're not the center of this issue. You know, you're, you're important to me, but you're not the center of the situation that's going on. Yeah. Okay. We had a couple of questions that are kind of in the same vein. So I'm going to try to put these together the best I can. This was Stanley, who was actually our online worship host. And uh, he had a comment that said, I had a friend who had been suffering with physical ailments tell him that he believed that God can't be both all-powerful 
and all good because otherwise he'd heal everyone. Can God be all good? Hmm. I think you did actually talk about this one, didn't you? This question itself, or did you? I don't remember getting. I don't. Okay. Remember I think that one. was from second, so I don't think you yeah, had a chance think, okay. that one. Okay. Um, that's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's an easy answer if you're not the one hurting. Well, and, it, defend, it depends on your definition of good. Yeah. What What is good? Yeah. You know, if you have a very, a very particular idea of what good is, and then God is outside of that, well, then maybe God isn't good according to your definition. There's a lot of nuance in life, and there's a lot of perspective. And so when I was running Indian Creek Camp up in uh, Middle Tennessee, we began to experience one week um, a lot of uh, sickness. It started off with one person throwing up, and before you knew it, there was two, and then there was four, and there was six, and there were eight. And, and so... I went on my day off on Thursday with, you know, only two or two or three people sick, which was not good, but it was not necessarily way out of the norm and came back Thursday night and there was, there was a ton of staff and, and I say a ton, there was, you know, three or four staff, which is a, <laughs> it's a ton when it's a small number <laughs> yeah. to start <laughs> with. Um, and then. There are probably about 10 or 11 campers out of, you know, I don't know, 180 or whatever. And um, realized that something was not right and um, really kind of started to look at it, called up the health department, explained what we were seeing. And they said, we think we think you've got norovirus going through. Um, if you're not familiar with norovirus, I hope you never are. It's 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 not really a lethal thing but it will make you wish you, you yeah. weren't <laughs> it, you'll it's it you know it's 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 pretty you know a lot of vomiting a lot of diarrhea a lot of that sort of stuff and um suddenly you don't have the staff to watch campers and it's bad enough for the campers so we were at a point where we didn't have it diagnosed they had to, they had to send out some samples to to be looked at and i had to make a decision on friday whether to continue on with the camp quarantine people or to call camp off i had people that were in my direct chain of command over top of me said you know it's fine for you to keep going just ride it out we'll see what happens after looking at all the things after knowing the values that i had at our camp our our values were um, god integrity safety hard work and fun i realized that to be true to the values as i saw them that what i had to do is i had to shut down the camp and then we thoroughly cleaned the camp and I sent all the staff home for the next week and told them to isolate and not to come in because norovirus has about a five day incubation. And so I knew that if I sent them home on Friday, on Sunday, that we should be ready to go for the next week of camp. If everybody was honest and came back with no, no symptoms, we could pretty much know that we were, we were good and we could have a reset. Probably the hardest decision I have ever made professionally because there were 200 junior campers coming in that next for that second week of junior camp that were devastated. It didn't matter that we refunded all their money, which we did. Didn't matter that the kids that went home on Friday night that we we gave them a partial refund of their week. Didn't matter that we did all that stuff. Those kids were looking forward to camp yeah, and camp they and <laughs> I, I was transitioning that summer between being 
the summer camp director and being the pastor at Mass and Campus. And I will never forget the summer's over, school year's beginning, and I was at Mass and Campus, and the children's story was times you've been disappointed. And one of those kids that didn't go to camp for their second week said, they said, when, when was the time you've been really disappointed in your life? And they looked right at me and said, <laughs> when Pastor Ken canceled no, 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 junior no. camp. And oh. I felt horrible. <laughs> I felt horrible because I didn't want to cancel it, but I also wanted to do right by what I felt like would be. And it wasn't because it wasn't a life-threatening disease, and yet it could be life-threatening if I have too many staff that are sick and we're not able to properly take care of the kids or there's all kinds of other issues. But my point is, I think that sometimes from where you're seen at, when God does something or allows something or whatever you want to say, it can feel devastating and it's not, I do, can't, I do not blame that child. That child that felt devastated and so it was one of the most disappointed, I have no doubt, it, it was honest, I'm not mad, not upset with them for saying it. I totally get why they would be frustrated with me, and yet I knew I did what I needed to do. And that is one of those decisions that I made that I've looked back on and thought, I'm proud of myself. That was the right decision to make in that moment. It was a hard decision. I had people angry at me. I had people yelling at me. But it was the right decision to make. And when I think that there are things that we are angry with God and God says, I get it. I get why you're angry. And like to Job, he says, I just can't explain it to you. You're not going to understand this. And there's a quote that has been particularly meaningful to me. I don't know if it's meaningful to other people, but it's a quote from the book Desire of Ages. Ellen White makes it. I think it's chapter 16. I think it's called this, The Imprisonment and Death of John is the title of that chapter. And the very end of that chapter Ellen says that the greatest trust heaven can bestow on a person is to suffer with Christ. And I don't know whether that, if you're suffering right now, I don't know whether that brings you comfort or not. For me, it has. When I go through suffering, I think, well, God must trust me. (laughs) He must trust me on this one. And I'm going to go ahead and try to find some kind of make my meaning out of that. I think he trusts too much. Yeah. Well, hey, and it's a fair thing, right, Randy? And I mean, it's like, please, I'm not worthy of your trust. Um, So I get it. But my, I guess, you know, what I really want to say to people is like, for me, I don't always understand. And I'm, and that junior camper did not understand why I made that decision. But I know I, I, I was trying to do right. And I can't see all the, the, the things that God sees. I don't understand everything. I don't understand the quantum physics or whatever it is that goes into running this universe. And so for me, at just at times, I just have to sit back and say, I'm really angry at you. You canceled something that was really meaningful to me. You did something and I don't get it and I'm upset and I, but I know who you are. I know who you have been in my life and that is what I'm going to rely on. And so, I don't know if that gives some some meaning to, to the question that was asked or not, but I hope it did. I mean, I think we can go back a long ways. I mean, we can go back to the beginning of humanity and the plan that God had for 
creation was based on a model of love and love is about free choice and free choices. I mean, I mean, when you're talking about all of this, God literally sets up a kingdom based on love and we get to choose in that context. And there's a lot of chaos in choosing. So I'm not going to say, you know, we do not have God's eyes or God's mind. So you're right. It's it's going to be difficult. Yeah. But bad is a I like the fact that, you know, well, how do we what do we call bad? You know, Bonhoeffer was on a team to go assassinate Hitler. Was that a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, we would call that murder. Yeah, it kind of gets into your next Keep going, Jeff. I'm taking some notes right now. I premeditated murder. What do you think? Is it? Does God ever ask? Uh, what do you think? Uh, does God ask people to do bad things? Well, let's let's change gears here a little bit because I think some of the questions, and I will read them, but I think we're going to come to some of the same conclusions that we already have. But this one uh, was from Matt in the chat. Asked even when prayed for things happen. Doesn't it take faith to believe that God did those things and not just random chance? Absolutely. I think the sometimes we're like, well, if only my prayers had been answered. But then if they were answered, is it because we had great planning and we had already set everything up and then we prayed for, well, Lord, you know, you see what's in front of us, make it happen. And then when it does, how much credit do we give God? And so there's got to be either way, there's some unknowns whether it's a positive or Or if it doesn't happen, how much leniency do we give God? Because I think we tend to ascribe, you know, things that happen that we're happy about, that we've prayed about to God. And then if things don't happen, then we try to make maybe excuses for God or it's something else's fault. So I don't, it's it's a tough thing to be, you know. I think it's both, right? If you're, if you want to be angry at God, then when good things happen, it was random chance. Right, yeah. and other, when and when bad it. things happen, it's because either there's no God and there's a or there's a there's a mean vindictive God. So it's I think that there's both sides of that, and probably yeah, anyway. yeah. This is not one going to we're going to settle here. No, I absolutely. Mean, there are huge camps on both sides of that issue. Sure, openness. Anonymous asked, "Do you think there are some things we just will not fully know or understand till we reach heaven?" And the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't sure. think there's any other way. And it would probably will take us a long time even after we get there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like it's not going to be anything quick. I mean, I don't know how God interacts with all of us at the same time now. And I don't I mean, know how that happens in heaven because I think about this sometimes. Yeah. But... Think about that. One issue of <laughs> an eternity and we'll never understand God fully. Yeah. That's incredible. It's uh, it's a little mind-blowing. Yeah. And this one, Alicia Kirsten uh, was in the chat and said, I consistently struggle with this topic due to my multiple chronic health issues. I feel like I have to try harder than most just to survive. And when others have faith, it'll happen. I always think, well, I know he can, but will he? Mm. Great topic and much needed. The sermon makes me think of my favorite quote, hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. And that was from Vaclav Havel, Vaclav Havel, not sure of the pronunciation of that, but this, like we talked about before, how come the one person, you know, will he, he can, but will he? So Alicia, I, I feel that struggle of, you know, I know he can, yeah. but will he? Yeah. And um, 
I think we've been over the the other and pieces. It's like I said in the sermon, that's the hardest part for me. I know right. he can. Yeah. So why aren't you? Yeah. yeah. All right. Aaron just said, wow, I never thought of Job's words that way. So profound. And so that definitely touched. And she also listened to the bonus episode and she knew what was coming. So <laughs> thanks, Aaron, for that. Because that was uh, the, the bonus episode That's was good. so fun to put together. It was so fun. And when I edited it later that week for Thursday, it really did make me smile. And I was there during the recording. Yeah, and so, I, don't, I don't think you're ever going to get past that now. That is going to be a continued request. People are going to hire you for parties. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I know. For and sure. uh, if you're looking to hire me for uh, parties, uh, go to the show notes. There you and, go. Uh, I am not nearly as expensive as some people wow. would be. So. Ken at wholelife.church. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> and then I liked uh, that crazy coyote who's always in the chat with us each week said, Sometimes we are the miracle. Thank you, God, for using us. And I just thought that was a nice way to, that's pretty to think about another angle of this that sometimes when you just can't figure it out, well, sometimes we get to be a part of that. And that was great. Sure. A great part of the message. All right. We have got two more. And Dale in the chat asked, when Jesus was on earth, there wasn't a healing request that was directly asked of him that he said no to. And at least not that I can remember reading about it in the Bible. I feel like if he was here in person and someone asked him for healing, he would do it. But once he got to heaven, things kind of changed. Do you ever feel like that's the case? Like we like we closed <laughs> like a chapter. We, like okay, that's interesting. I, although there are times when it, you know we read that Jesus didn't heal everybody. You know we you read in Mark chapter two, he healed many, but it doesn't say he healed. It doesn't say all. he healed. Yeah. He healed all. And there's also the, you know, and this is not necessarily super comforting, but there's the where he goes to his hometown and it, yeah. and he says that he only was able to heal a few because of their lack of faith. Um, so, you know, here's, here's my, ouch, by, because of the lack of faith. Here we go again. Doggone it. <laughs> I don't know. But just starting to feel a little bit better, Ken. <laughs> well, I think that one of the, the parts that maybe does get leave, left out of the, out of the gospels, because the point that the gospel writers were really trying to make was that Jesus was the son of God and he was able to do all these things. I, I, I don't think that they focused as much on the people that he didn't heal. Um, I don't think that they spent a lot of time saying, well, and there was the time that he was at this place or that place and he didn't do that. And that's one of the interesting things that the that the uh, television show, The Chosens, tried to, to focus in on. I don't want to give away too much, but I'm going to. So, spoiler alert, if you're listening and you haven't seen season three of The Chosen, I'm about to put a little spoiler in there. Go forward. Hit your forward button like thirty, yeah. like four or five times. Yeah, do whatever you need to do. But in that in that particular episode, and here I go. You know, one of Jesus' disciples, James the Lesser, has uh, is a cripple, and Jesus doesn't heal him. And for me, that's particularly poignant because James has a, t- a conversation about that with Jesus. He's like, "I see you healing all these other people. Why not me?" And uh, I don't want to say too much more about it because that's actually one of the episodes that I want to do a sermon on this summer when we do our series on that. But I guess I definitely know what what's being made with that comment but i do think that there were a lot of people that weren't healed by jesus when he was around and i love even though the bible has makes no no mention of this that i love the creative license that they've taken in this because it rings true because all of us know devoted followers of jesus who've given their life to his work 
and have excruciating things happen to them that they pray with faith. And I, and I, you know, that was one of the things that I took out of James Black's sermon, talking about he prayed for his mother to be healed, knew it could happen, was convinced it would happen. And then his mother passed away and mm-hmm. he was furious with God because what do you mean I didn't have the faith to have that happen? And I don't think we can explain Jesus going to heaven as the reason why things aren't happening now, because Jesus said that his followers would do even greater things than he had done. And so that maybe is an opportunity for us to to get into the Word, spend some more time praying about things and asking ourselves, you know, what's going on? And 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 then maybe being okay if we don't come up with the right with an answer every time. Yeah. Because I believe that God works in every age in the way that they need God to work at their time. I don't believe that the way that God interacts with us today is the same way that he interacted a thousand years ago or two thousand years or three thousand years ago, because the technology is different, the culture is different, the people are different. So God always tries to be understood in the context in which the people are living in today. And so for me, there's a lot of God working through modern medicine, giving inspiration to people as they're trying to think things through. That's the sense that I make out of it. Maybe that's not the sense you make out of it, but Think about it, pray about it, and and see where you come up with it. Yeah, and we don't give credit enough to even some of the the aspects of just Christ working through the Holy Spirit after he's gone in the mm-hmm. minds of men and women who literally passed on the you know, the miracle of of real liberty, the miracle of non-subjugation of slavery, the miracle of, you know, how we, we understand how to, you know, instill justice. You know, we don't think about those as no. miracles, but just the fact that, you know, one of the things that the Black Plague did during the Middle Ages, a lot of the Jewish people didn't get inflicted by the Black Plague, by some of these plagues, because of their their rituals of cleansing and wa- hand washing, just that one sure. piece. And we don't we don't ever attribute that, but a lot of things that the Holy Spirit, I think, works through mm. the minds of men to alleviate. And these are big deals down yeah. the road. And I think I think the part also that I want to make sure that we we haven't really touched on as much in this podcast as I did in the sermon is the idea of what healing is. Yeah. The healing is a lot broader than just a physical. Right. right. And, and in, in American culture, we put a, a high premium um, on on the physical healing. Yeah. And when, in fact, in my mind, the greatest gift that God can give us is peace and the ability to handle the hurt that the world brings around, that's, a, that's healing. Um, and that is miraculous in my mind to be able to find peace in the midst of some of the big storms that come our way in life. And for God to be able to do that in our lives, I think, is significant. I think that God does that on a on a, on a very large scale today with the way that Christianity has spread throughout the world and the hope that it's brought to people who are suffering, that, that even if they suffer for a little while, that there is something beyond this where, where suffering will cease. Well, I just wanted to piggyback what you said about the chosen and season three episode two, we went to see the premiere where they showed one and two at the. We went to the theater to see it, and I cried like a baby. 
in, in, in the second episode when, you know, he's crippled and Emily sitting next to me and so many different oh, yeah. parts of things we've struggled on. And then the way he, the way Jesus gets emotional and again, it's creative license, but that, that part seems so, so real. And so, so the Jesus that I feel like I know mm-hmm. trying to provide comfort in you, you know, there's all the different things you wish were different or things that you could fix or things that would provide healing, whether, but really what you just said there, providing the spiritual and the peace of knowing that it's not something you choose. It's not something you can fix and only God can do it. But sometimes you miss the fix because of the the anger and the hangups and the societal, societal norms that you feel like you're supposed to be checking off the list for yourself, your kids, or, and um, if you haven't seen that, I wouldn't miss it. Cause again, mm. creative license, but boy, that's uh, <laughs> that was definitely something very powerful. All right. We are down to one question and it was the teaser that Jeff uh, let Ken off the hook on stage. Need a little more time for this. <laughs> oh yeah. One. This is the question from Melanie. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's a look, question. we're out of time. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, guys. No, that's okay. We have time for this one. <laughs> we have time for this one because We honestly, could even make it into a bonus episode if we <laughs> that's right. want to. Nathaniel, this is for you. I know you're almost to work, so hang on. You might have to sit in the parking lot just a little bit longer. But, you know, the last couple of episodes have been pretty short. So this is, we're, we're, uh, uh, we're going to take you <laughs> one. Yeah, we're going to make up for it this one just this week. All right. Melanie asked, is faith something we can conjure up on our own? You want to stop there or do you want the whole thing? Oh, I think Melanie wants the whole thing. Okay. I mean, okay, Melanie so, deserves an answer. So. so let's mark that one down. We're going to start there. Okay. Then is it something we strive for and can practice and perfect? Or... Since Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, is the amount of strength and of faith we have not up to us? Why would Jesus be amazed at a person's faith if he is the originator of that faith in the first place? Oh, oh mercy. <laughs> I, Somebody ate their Wheaties on Sabbath. Was, yeah, yeah, next time feeling, I'm using a pseudonym. Somebody, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Somebody felt frisky as they were holding that baby. I know. They're just like, yeah, like great question. Indeed, sir. So uh, I get to ask uh, the question, and then I get to go ahead and twist the knife while I'm at it. So. Let's drop another five yards on this one, shall we? <laughs> You thought you uh, you thought you made it through that sermon, didn't you, Ken? <laughs> I loved it. I didn't because I, I I was not here and I did not see either either message this week until this morning. And when I saw, I was looking at the chat, uh, downloading it, and I'm like Melanie, and I'm like, hmm, what if that's yeah, that's our Melanie, <laughs> that's our Melanie. So uh, let's say that uh, let's just ask Melanie what what do you think? How would you answer your question? Oh wait a minute, like, <laughs> you're I mean you're the senior pastor here with the sermon that you just preached. Don't... I know. I've done a lot of work in the last week. I haven't been holding grandbabies and stuff like that. So, um, Ouch. You know. okay. oh, that's work. But that's you take good it, work. Oh, you take, it, you is, take it is a couple of days work. off. And look what happens. I know. Yeah. Stay at work. <laughs> so she's looking at me like she expects me to answer a question. So go ahead and do do the first part. I'll go. I'll, I'll answer it, Melanie. I'll do right, this for you. All right, I mean, all right. Number one is faith something we can conjure up on our own? So, in my opinion, as I've thought about this, because it was such a good question, is it something we can conjure up? We're told that every good gift comes from God. So clearly, faith is something that God does gift us with. However, I would maybe also, from my perspective, believe that it 
while it's a gift that God gives us, maybe it's we have to go ahead and exercise it as so, he gives it to us. And I wonder if sometimes if if God may be well, clearly Jesus was surprised at the faith that some people showed because I think that sometimes maybe God knows how many people don't have that kind of faith in him, and he loves them anyway, and he walks with them in it anyway. And so he's amazed when people do exhibit that kind of faith. Um, Is it something that you can strive to practice and perfect? For me, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think you can strive for it. I'm not saying you're going to be for me, good at it. For, it's, for me, it's, it's something you you can practice. It, it seems to me it just, I don't know. I can We only can work on what our life has brought us. And it just seems to me like in my life, God likes to kind of raise the bar <laughs> and give me chances. Like, oh, boy, look at me. I, I made it through this one. And then it's like, oh, here's the next one. You're like, oh, I'm scared again. Um so I don't know. I think that God – I do think we have the opportunity to practice it. And I do think that God – you know, the Bible uses the term that God is a refiner's fire. And so, again, maybe that's that's God doing the refining. He's the fire because I have a theology that believes in free will. I believe I have the ability to stay in the fire or get out. Yeah, And so maybe that's – so can maybe that's the, where my yeah. practice comes in. I don't in know. Is, I haven't been able to get out of the fire. No, I, no. I always have to walk through it. So I yeah. don't know. I I want your get out of fire free card. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I do think you know. I, I I like the question, and and I you know I my grandmother had one of the best strawberry gardens in all of Door County, Wisconsin. Seriously, people would drive for miles to go up and get her strawberries. And I used to love to pick them and put them in the baskets and so forth. And I can still remember a time of walking and hiking along one of the roads or one of the trails and finding a plant, a strawberry plant growing by itself, not in my grandmother's garden. And I remember thinking, it can't be as good as my grandmother's strawberries. And I picked the strawberry and ate it and it was one of the best strawberries ever I've ever had <laughs> and I think that we sometimes think of faith only being culturable and grown in in a particular faith environment or garden and I think people I think there is a lot of there's a lot of things that we have to realize are outside of what we would call our our little culture and I think it and I think we need to realize that God is the originator of it, but it doesn't always doesn't always plant. And that's why I think God, He's. I think at the writers of the New Testament, when then Jesus says He was amazed at their faith, I think they were saying, "Look, it doesn't happen just in our little Jewish bubble." Hmm. Yeah. Well, in in the idea of is the amount of the amount of the strength of our faith not up to us. Yeah, and I think that part of it is, can you stay in the in the fire? And is if you're in that place where we don't understand, but you still just say, "Well, I, I know God's in charge. I've seen Him work in my life, and I have no idea what this latest round is about, or the latest two or three rounds." But 
What's the alternative? I've already been where the alternative is, and that's that's no better because then I have no hope of anything. Yeah. So I think there is a, a chance that along with God's help of you know keeping us for what he sometimes overestimates we can handle, I believe, but that's just my personal opinion, that that faith is going to grow and strengthen. So I, I think it has to be a two-way, two-way partnership. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, Melanie. Thanks, guys. There you go. Look at that. That was a good question. <laughs> we answered her question. I can Wait. tell. I can tell by the look on her face. She feels fully satisfied. <laughs> yes. And yes. Uh, she's going to sleep good tonight. Yeah. She's going to go to bed. <laughs> and that resolved the last question Melanie had about God. I'm so happy one, that we were able to do one. that. Thank yeah. you. She's that like those guys. I'm sure fully, didn't miss my, them. My cup runneth over. <laughs> truly. <laughs> oh brother. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. But. Don't go anywhere because uh, we are into great question number two. And I love this because I am I am just thinking that we are going to find out about a whole lot of people that are the more interesting parts of uh, Bible characters. Is it ever okay to do bad things for God? I really thought it was interesting that you brought up Esther, of all things, which was – which was actually clever. <laughs> that made Is me laugh. It, was that part of was that part of the original question? <laughs> that question down to the word Yahtzee was part of the original question. Oh, it was. Yes, That's okay. awesome. yes. I I did not come up with that cleverness. That okay. was that was. Oh, I just feel question. like I know who asked this question now. Who doesn't love Yahtzee? <laughs> now that I. Now, now that you've said that that's down to the Yahtzee, I feel like I, I, I know exactly who asked this question. <laughs> I grew up with Yahtzee. That's the I love Yahtzee. Mm-hmm. I think my, it was one of our listeners that listens very faithfully to this mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to out yourself, you may send us a text to four zero seven nine six five one six zero seven. And if you have any other questions that you'd like to, you know, for after the sermon, if you'd like some clarification, we'll expect to hear a question either uh, through their podcast at wholelife.church. And or, if uh, if you do. I yourself to me. I'll just stare at you the whole time I do the sermon. I'll just just look at you. I will preach the sermon just to you. That's awesome. So I'm not, this special one. treatment from Ken. Yeah. I mean, man, I didn't man, I'm this, sure that really encouraged them to We are we are offering more and more things every week, folks. We're gonna have to start a Patreon package here for you guys to start supporting. I'll tell you what show. I'm excited about though. What's that? Randy, I'm excited that the next Sabbath uh-huh. my son Eric is has uh we have to pick him up from school okay so i won't be here who's preaching john monday john monday <laughs> gets know, a great question on deck good it, it almost feels like you planned this did you plan this i feel like, like i might let's have see. let's see <laughs> the great uh, questions series right you, about here i, I, I think <laughs> john was hoping to be able to preach on a topic he wanted to was like <laughs> Oh come on, John! You're gonna you're gonna do great. So does John know the question yet? Are no, he doesn't. he doesn't. John does not know he the does question. Not know the question. No. He's not getting special treatment. He may get a little bit more special than I got, but not not much. Uh, right. Maybe I'll just throw John a softball. I'm sorry, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you might like oh, let man. him look at the remaining questions and decide which one he wants? Ooh, well, is that cheating? I don't, is that cheating? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It might be. <laughs> so well, how do you play Yahtzee? Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, tune in next week as we discuss Yahtzee and can you do good, bad? Is it okay to do bad things for God? And if Yahtzee's one of those, I don't know. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening and have a great week. <laughs>